A while back, I was in Walmart, and I was, you know, getting some stuff for Lindsay, and all of a sudden, I heard, Pastor Josh! And I turned around, and I saw this guy kind of coming at me, and you ever had that moment where, like, you know someone knows you, but you don't know them? And so this guy's, Pastor Josh, just come running up, and I'm like, and so you do what every pastor does. Hey, man! What's up? Um, hey, what's going on? And he's like, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, man, how are you doing? I said, I'm good, I'm good. I said, uh, how are you? He's like, man, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? What's going on? A lot of my ministry happens in the aisles of Walmart, just so you know. It's a lot. I've I've done a lot of deliverance in the produce section. Um, I've done it in the bean section. There's anointing in the meat section. I just want you all to know it's all over there. So I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And he started. Now, here's the deal. I didn't know this guy at all. He knew me. So I'm like, what's going on? He's like, man, listen, you know, he starts telling me about some drama stuff he's having with his living girlfriend, and then he was telling me about his, uh, his mom got diagnosed with cancer, then he was starting to tell me about, you know, I'm having these issues with my job, and we got all these major financial issues, and I just realized just in that moment, this wasn't a prayer request, this was a conversation. Like, there was a conversation that really needed to unpack, so, so I said, hey, man, I, I don't mind praying for you. I definitely will pray for you. I said, but can I just ask you a couple quick questions? He was like, yeah, man, let's, let's go. I said, um, I said, how long you, do you, I said, first off, do you come to our church? He was like, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been coming. I said, well, how long have you been coming? He said, man, I've been coming for a couple years. So I was like, and I don't know the dude's name. I don't even know his name. And so I'm like, okay. I was like, so when's the last time you've, you've been there, like, and he's like, oh, man, Pastor, it's been probably a year. Okay, okay, all right, good. Okay, all right. I was like, well, are you, like, connected to, like, in any life groups? He's like, oh, no, man, you know, I just, man, that's just kind of not my thing. I don't really do that. I said, okay, have you, like, have you gone through Next Step and, like, maybe just gotten on a dream team to, you know, serve and get a part? No, no, man, I just, that's not really my thing. I said, okay, so I said, help me here. So they haven't really been to church in almost a year. You're not in any life groups. You're not on the dream team. You haven't gone through next step. Um, I said, I'm gonna, now I'm going to tell you something that I've told our church for a long time. And if you've been coming to our church for two years, you've probably heard this before. But I said, you know, church is not a place you go to. It's a spiritual family you belong to. It's a spiritual family you belong to. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, man, I, I know, I know, man. I've just been busy and there's work and it's all. I said, I get it. I get it. But I just want you to hear me. There's a power in getting connected to family. It's not, church is not a special event. Church isn't a service. Church isn't, it's none of those things. Church is a group of people committed to loving Jesus and loving one another. And you need that. And he's like, yeah, pastor, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'll, you're right. I said, now let's pray for you. I'm gonna pray over all of this stuff that you prayed. I said, but I wanna see you in church. He's like, okay, okay, okay. So we prayed. And I haven't seen him since. And the sad reality of that is a lot of people actually think of church with that mindset of it's a, it's a place for me to go to or it's something that I do on Sundays or it's a service that I attend or it's a special event. But they don't realize if you, if you treat church that way, you miss 90% of what church really is. Like this on Sunday is like 10% of what church is. It's really designed to be that. This guy needed more than prayer. How many know he needed people? 
They needed prayer, but he needed people desperately in his life. And so uh, if you look all throughout Scripture, there, this kind of resounding identity of God's people is a family. And so here at the church, you'll hear us talk about spiritual family. It's a deep core value of ours that's been since the inception of our church 23 years ago, which, by the way, happy birthday, OSC. We just celebrated 23 years this week as a church. So happy birthday. 23 years ago in the Holiday Inn, and look at where we are today. So when you look all throughout Scripture, you see God's desire for family. I mean, when he created the, the world, he created it with a family. And you see all throughout the Old Testament, in Abraham, there's a family. And then you get to the New Testament, and when Jesus shows up, he's born into a family. And then when he wants to change the world, he gets 12 guys, and they become a family, and then when you get saved and you profess your, your, your heart to Jesus and you become born again, the Bible says you get adopted into a family. A family. Yeah, you're getting it. You're getting it. Let me show you. Second uh, Corinthians, I mean us, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 20. Look what it says. It says this. It says, you are members of God's of God's family together. This is huge here. This is this togetherness. We are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is who? Just as Pastor Dustin just said, this is the cornerstone of our house is Jesus. That's what makes our house what it is. It's all about Jesus. But when you give your life to Jesus, he says, everybody who is individuals come together to be a part of a family, and we are his house together, which means if you have an individualized view of Christianity, you're missing out. Because it was never meant to be this individualized, isolated version of Christianity this is a family, and it's a value that's deep in this house, and, and I hear it all the time because people don't really know how to, to put words to it. They say things like, I hear people say this, oh, it's just so welcoming here, right? I just, I just felt at home here, right? I, I, it just felt so warm. People were so friendly here. What they're saying is this value. Spiritual family is a value that we build our life on. In our church, I want you to hear me very closely. God has not called OSC to build a crowd. He's called us to build a family. I'm not all about building crowds. I'm all very passionate, though, about building family. But can we just all be really honest in here? Family's hard. Right? So, some of y'all didn't even want to look at the person next to you because they're family. And you're like, y'all had a fight coming here. It's hard, it's hard. So this is what I want to do today. And I'm going to go ahead and put all my cards out on the table because I, I, I want you to stop going to church. But I do want you to get deeply connected to family. That's my prayer. And so that's my heart today. I'm a, I'm, there's no shame about this because this is what's transformed my life. This is a lot of my life story wrapped up into this because I know I am where I am today because of spiritual family. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus saved my soul, but spiritual family has saved my life. I'm telling you, this is so huge. So this is what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to give you two sections of this message. On the front part of this message, we're going to talk about why spiritual family is so difficult. Because it really is. 
It's, it's not all peaches and cream. There's difficulties that come with all of that. And then on the backside, though, I want to talk about why spiritual family matters. And you're going to hear two stories of people here in our church in just a minute. They're going to share their testimony of what God has done in and through their life. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about what makes spiritual family difficult. If you got your notes, wave them at me. Let me see you. Wave them, wave them, wave them. Okay. All right. If you're online, I want you to participate with us right in the message. I want you to chat with us here. And so here's, here's number one. The number one first reason why spiritual family can be so difficult, here's the first one right here, is because we can value similarities over differences. We can value similarities over differences. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when you think of the people that you want to be around, you want to be around people who are just like you. We like being around people who are very similar to us, look like us, vote like us, think like us, choose things like us in the same season as us. But if you look across this church right now, how I many know we are very diverse, very, very diverse, racially diverse, age diverse, we're ethnic diverse, we've got uh, financially diverse. I mean, we are incredibly, incredibly diverse. Now, let me help you here, okay? I want you to participate with me, all right? We're gonna participate together. If you're online, I want you to participate with me with this by a show of hands. How many of you in here, let me show you, we're even diverse in personalities. How many of you in here, when you get around a lot of people like this, it excites you, it's like life-giving, like you love it. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. All right, y'all look around, look around. Those are your peoples, okay? Notice there's not a ton of hands raised. How many of you in here, you get around a lot of people like this, it drains you, it drains, like you need to go home and take a nap now. Like some of y'all, you're gonna go home and you're gonna be like, I'm done, I'm done, for, I don't even need any more people for the rest of the week. Let's be honest, right? It's very true. Some of y'all come in here, you know, they come in here like, take 60 seconds to meet and greet. Some of y'all, that is the most fearful time of your life. You're like, oh my God, I have to talk to people. No, please, no, please, don't look at me. Don't shake my hand. No, 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 I'm a germaphobe on top of that. It's not good, all right? You know what I'm talking about? And then some of y'all are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what the heck, right? Okay, let me show you. Differences, differences. How many of y'all are 20 years and younger? Raise your hand. You're 20 years and younger? Raise your hand. Raise it proud like you, you really are. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, how many of you between the ages of 20 and 40? Raise your hand. You're between the ages of 20 and 40. Look at this. Look at this. All right. All right. How many are 40 and mature? Raise your hand. 40 and above. Look at that. They loud and proud. They don't care either. They don't care either. All right, here we go. Let me show you the differences. All right, I hope you're joining us online. Participate with us. How many of you go to bed early? Raise your hand. You're an early bird. I mean, early, early to bed. Early, early bed, okay? <laughs> Notice it's the same people that are 40 and older, okay? <laughs> yeah! Oh, what time is it? Oh, it's only 9.30. Oh, man. All right, how many? Y'all know it's true, though. Y'all know it's true. The older I've got, I've, I am now 40. I'm like, my boys are like, Dad, let's, no, I'm done. I'm done for the night. It's 8.30? Yeah, my bad, it's called. Okay, how many of you, night owls, night owls. Who's, who's night owls in here? Okay, all right, all right. How many of you, how many of you wake up early? Like you're early, early to rise, early, early, early. It's all those people who went to bed early, okay. <laughs> how many of you sleep late? How many late, late sleepers? Okay, okay. Very different, I'm telling y'all, we're just incredibly different. All right, here we go, one more. How many of you don't have kids? Raise your hand. If you don't have kids, raise your hand. Look around, look around, okay? Go ahead, raise your hand. You're the ones that aren't even tired. I <laughs> know. <No. laughs> 
How many of y'all have kids? If you got kids, look at this. Okay, all right, all right. How many of you have kids when they're out of the house? Raise your hand. And they still go to bed early, all right. Now watch this, this is huge here. Okay, so we, we are people though who value similarities in a lot of ways versus differences, and what I mean by that is because if you're around, let's say you're the person who gets fueled by being around a lot of people, um, you don't tend to usually like to get around people who are like that, um, or that are opposite than you. And, and yet, when you read all throughout scripture, you're gonna realize that we need to not only celebrate our differences, we need our differences. Like as a church, we need to look different. One, because that's what heaven looks like, and then two, that's how God created us, to be very different. I wanna show you a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 13. I gotta run through this because we've got so much to do and I could stay here just in and of itself, but Acts 13, one, the kickoff of the New Testament church, like when the church was planted and birthed, the very beginning of it, I want you to look at the differences that's here. And you might not catch it if you really don't understand what you're reading, but it says, among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch, so this is the leadership team of Antioch of Syria, were Barnabas, then there was Simeon, called the black man, and that's not in a racial way, that's literally what it was, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod of Tempest, and Saul. And so you just read through that and go right on to verse two, but what you, if you don't stop and look, these five leaders mentioned are incredibly different. Like they're incredibly diverse. You've got one man from the Middle East, You've got one man from the Mediterranean. You've got two Africans. The early church was incredibly diverse. And I, I cannot bang this drum enough, and I will do it as long as I am the pastor. We are going to be a church that is multicultural and multi-generational. You're gonna go to a lot of churches that all look the same, sound the same. It's not gonna be here. And you're also gonna to go to churches where it's only one set of, uh, not just demographic, but age. It's just like a bunch of Q-tips. And you're like, what, where's, where's the, where's the young people? Y'all know what I'm, y'all getting there? Okay, y'all getting there? Which by the way, mine's becoming more of a Q-tip than it ever has been. But I'm gonna tell you what, if the church is gonna thrive, we need the young and old. We need the fathers and sons. We need the daughters and mothers. We need the mothers influencing the daughters. This is why I'm, in OSC Kids, they're not getting babysat, but they're being taught the word of the Lord. That's why in OSC Kids, they're being taught the word of the Lord and they're changing their campus because it can't just be older people that have a relationship with Jesus. How many know your kids can be great too? So we wanna be a church that's full force in all that. So, so a, a, a major hurdle is if you like the same people, you're not gonna like our church. Just letting you know now. Um, you're gonna have a really hard time with this because it's gonna look very, very different. The second thing is this, what makes spiritual family very difficult is this. We can focus more on hurt than healing. How many in here have been hurt by your family? Raise your hand if you've been hurt by your family. Okay, and, and, and I want you to see how this plays out. You could, if I asked you how many have hurt your family, your hand would go up as well. Because not only have you been hurt, but you've done some hurting. And it can be very hard to actually really try to preach on spiritual family 
when you understand that there's so many of you that are in this room or maybe you're watching online and you have so much hurt in your natural family. And so when we're talking about spiritual family and get plugged in spiritual family, your only frame of reference with family is natural and when it's dysfunctional, natural, you immediately equate that to dysfunctional spiritual. But I want you to hear me when I talk about this because you can't go through a divorce or go through a friendship split or go through church hurt or go through something traumatic in your family and that not affect you. It's gonna affect you. And here's what ends up happening is if you have a friendship split or you've got some church pain or you've got something that happened in your family, there was, whether that was divorce or trauma or affair or whatever, that you can hurry up and quickly move on and you might not be hurting anymore, but you're not healed. I mean, no, you can go through life and not have pain and still not be right. Let me give you a very... Very clear example, right here. This finger right here, if you've ever noticed, this finger doesn't want to act right. This hand does, all right, all good. This hand, no, I can't, I can't. I broke this finger in high school. I didn't go to the doctor and deal with it. And so now I have this issue. And when it gets cold, it even curls even more. <laughs> now watch. This, this finger doesn't hurt, but it doesn't function right. It doesn't function right. So when I go to grip something really hard, I can't really use this hand as best as I can because I have this issue. When I go to play the guitar, it's really, really difficult because this, this, this pinky's not right. Yet again, not in pain, it's just not healed. And there are, I can't tell you how many Christians there are that have been through relational pain in their life and they go, oh, I'm, I'm good now. No, just because you're not in pain doesn't mean you're healed. And so here's how it gets triggered because we do something like this. Hey, go get in a life group and you go, uh-uh, been there, done that. Mm-mm, nope. No, 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 I've opened my heart up before and I got hurt and I'm not doing that. I thought you were good. Oh, yeah, I am good. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because you've allowed whatever type of pain in your life to now inform all the things that God wants to do in your life. And so you focus more on the hurt than you focus on the healing. Because watch this. We can get hurt and we do get hurt by family. But we also get healed in family. Don't believe me. Look at. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this. It says, confess your sins to God. Oh, wait, no, that's not there. Confess your sins to each other and pray to God. Oh, wait, no, that's not there either. No, pray for each other so that you may be healed. So, here's how I like to say it. We confess and pray to God for forgiveness, but we pray and confess to people for healing. And, and oftentimes, we go, I don't want to deal with people. Well, that's why you're not healed. Because you need people to get the healing that you need. 
This is why when you're sick, you go to a doctor. Thank God for, he can heal you miraculously, but God also provides healing through other ways as well. And so uh, spiritual family can be very difficult because we can get hurt in family. I, I, I would be lying if I was to say that in 23 years here at this church that I've never been hurt by people. I've probably been most hurt by people than you have. Because as a pastor, I have to deal with rejection almost every weekend. Because I've got to go to Walmart and see the person who left but never told me. And then I've got to deal with my own issues of, did they leave because of me? Did they leave because of them? It wasn't because of me. No, it might have been because of me. Did I do something? Because people nowadays don't tell you why they're leaving. They just leave. And then they go on Facebook and talk about how terrible you are. Y'all ever had that happen to you? I have had ad nauseum. So I'm, I'm not sharing from a place that I don't experience it myself. I have to continually keep my heart soft towards people because people continually disappoint and hurt me. But it's, I do it because it's for the Lord. And I know I've hurt people. And I know people have hurt me. But it's the price of family. And it's the price of love. You can't be loved deeply if you're not willing to get hurt deeply. Let's just keep moving on, okay? We got uh, many more things to share. So the third thing that makes uh, relationships difficult is we can value convenience over commitment. Our culture, can we all agree, idolizes comfort and convenience? If you don't believe me, y'all remember, for those back in the day, y'all remember when there wasn't CD players and there was just maybe just a radio or an AM radio or just FM radio, and when you were on those long drives, like, your dad would turn on the radio, and whatever was on the radio, that's what you listened to. I know some of y'all don't even know what that means. I even said the word radio, and you're like, what is that? Spotify? No, not Spotify, the radio. And whatever was on the radio, based off of whoever controlled the radio, that's what you listened to. I remember back in the day with the TV, like four channels. Like what was on TV is what you watched. Y'all remember that? Like two channels, two channels black and white. Okay, so watch this. Nowadays, you drive by a 2023 Suburban, it looks like the Grand Theater inside of that thing. Everybody's got customized, massively huge screens, and every screen is customized to what that person wants right in front of them. Your Netflix is customized. Your Amazon is customized. Everything now is customized to your comfort and your convenience. Unfortunately, people have taken that same mentality from culture, and they've brought it into the church. And they want the church to customize to their convenience. Last time I checked in the kingdom of God was nothing about customization to your preferences or to your conveniences. It was about a kingdom that you sacrificed to, you committed to. Now listen, I'm not saying that we don't try to tailor. I mean, you got coffee out there, okay? We're trying to do something for you. But, but listen, if you think that church is all about my preferences, my schedule, my family, my plans, you're going to really have a hard time in the kingdom because the last time I checked, you weren't king. There is only one king, and we customize to his plans, his schedule, his priorities. Y'all with me? 
But when you treat church like a convenience and not a commitment, you wake up on Sunday and go, do we want to go? When's the last time it was optional? Like, I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I remember during the pandemic, we were just praying that it would hurry up and open so we could get back into here. And now that we got the freedom to get back in here, we can't get people back in here. Well, we can. It's everywhere. But are y'all with me? Like, we've now been tailored to comfort and convenience. But the kingdom of God is exactly the opposite. And what ends up happening is when you idolize comfort and convenience, relationships become transactional and optional. So the moment you're not meeting my need... I'm out. And that's how most people treat marriage nowadays. Because it's about my comfort and my wants. And, oh, I'm just not feeling the love anymore. Well, get over yourself. Relationship series will start next weekend. We'll deal with that then. Okay? Coming for marriages over the next three weeks. <clears throat> but this is so huge here. We can value this convenience over com comfort. Look in Ruth chapter one. In Ruth chapter one, there's a story of, uh, of a girl named Ruth. If you know her, she, uh, her and she was married to two, and she wasn't married to two. She had a sister-in-law who was married. They were both married to brothers. Um, and both brothers died and their mother-in-law's husband died. So you had a widow that was a mother-in-law, then her two daughter-in-laws um, her sons had both died, and so you've got a widow uh, that's a grandmother or a mother, and then you've got a widow of two daughters. Ruth is one of those, and uh, the, the mother says to her daughter-in-laws, y'all go back to your home country because you need to go find another man. My, I, I don't have any more sons to give you. Go back to your home country. Go find you a man that you can marry. Just go. Well, one of the daughter-in-laws does go. But Ruth says this, and look with me in, in Ruth chapter one, verse 16. Ruth replies to her mother-in-law and says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back because everybody help me. Wherever you go, I'll go. And wherever you live, I'm gonna live. Your people will be, and your God will be, will be my God. See, here's the do. When you find your people, you find your purpose. And when you find your people, you don't leave your people. You, and, and I want you to see how this works because spiritual family is not a part of my life. It is my life. And Ruth was going, I don't have anywhere else to go. It's kind of like the disciples with Jesus. When Jesus was like, y'all going to leave too? And they're like, where are we going to go? Like, you, you demand. We're here with you. We're locked. What would it look like if we did not treat relationships as transactional but covenantal? Yeah. That God's connected us, and I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight through this. I'm not saying if it's abusive, yeah, you need to get out. Okay, don't, don't, listen, to, don't listen to something that I'm not saying. If a relationship's abusive and it's wrong, get out. If it's not healthy, get out. If it's toxic, get out. But, but nowadays, someone offends us, and that's enough for us to leave. Like, man, you've been 20 years fighting for this relationship. All of a sudden, you get offended, and you're gone. Like, let's be covenantal people that be able to say, where well, you go, I go. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. So, so those are the three difficulties that we have with spiritual family. We can prioritize similarities over differences. 
Um, we can be a people that focus on hurt more than healing. We can value convenience over commitment. Now let's talk about why spiritual family matters. Let's switch gears here because it really does matter. And the first thing is this. It matters because it's how God designed you. It's literally how God designed you. Let's look what scripture says. Watch. Scripture says this in Psalm 68, verse 6. God, everybody tell me this next word. Places. Come on, say it again. God, places. some translations say it says sets. God sets. God places the lonely in and family. God sets. God places the lonely in family. This is what this tells me. There is no do-it-yourself Christianity. Doesn't exist. There's, a, there's a, a, um, a term that psychologists use called crowded loneliness. And this term that they use is, is for people uh, because we are around more people than we've ever been before as a society and yet more lonely than we've ever been before. Statistically, right now in our day and age, 49% of people over the age of 40 are chronically lonely. Like almost 50% of people that are over the age of 40 are chronically lonely. I think it's actually even worse than that, and I think those younger than that are the same. They just can fake it for a while. We, uh, we had Manhood University this past week, which, by the way, we had almost 90 men here getting, getting around one another. Can I tell you what the resounding theme was at almost every table that I heard? I just don't have friends. I just don't. A bunch of men, successful. I mean, you look at them. Many of them have thriving marriages. Many are good. Man, I just, don't, I just don't have anybody I can talk to. What? Man, I just feel like I'm battling just so much of this stuff alone. What? We have more people around us than ever before and yet more lonely than ever before. We can't be real with someone. God designed you for family. Notice this. God places you, which means even this. I don't join a family, God connects me to one. Take that for a moment. God connects you. Let me ask you this. Who chose what fa natural family you were gonna be born into? Who chose it? God. Ready? And who chose what spiritual family you're supposed to be connected to? <laughs> Some of us are like, uh, I don't know. That's the issue because it needs to be a revelation that God says, this is where you're called to be. Now, I'm not saying that just for our Savior's church. You can go wherever. You just need to make sure that God called you there. God called you there. God placed you there. Because if God placed you there, he's got a purpose for you there. He's got something he wants to do in you, and he's got something he wants to do through you. So God designed you. God designed you for spiritual family. Number two, it's how God grows you. Look what Psalms 92 says. Psalms 92 says this. It says, the righteous, what do they do? They what? Come on, let's say it again. The righteous, say it one more time. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and they grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. And here we go. They 
flourish in the courts of our God, and they still bear fruit in Come on now. How many of y'all want some of that? Bearing fruit in old age. And they are ever full of sap and green. Watch this. Did you know that God has more for you than you are currently experiencing right now? I want you to listen to me. God has more for you than what you are experiencing right now. The words that they use, flourish, grow, bear fruit. Here's the issue. We often settle for where we are. When God says, I've got more. God wants every part of your life to flourish. Every part of your life to flourish. Unfortunately, when I talk to so many people, that's not the case. They're, they're discouraged. They're, they're, they're struggling. They're hurting. Now, that's not to say if you struggle, you're out of God's will because that's not, it's not biblical. But we should be flourishing in us. God never intended for you to just barely make it to heaven. I'm just making my way in. Like God wants you to flourish. He wants you to flourish in your job. How many believe God wants you to flourish in your relationships? He wants you to flourish as a parent. He wants you to flourish in your marriage. He wants you to flourish in your finances. How many want some flourishing finances? God wants you flourishing in all these areas. God wants you to be flourishing with joy and peace. And if that's not you, there's something that's not right. Let me show you a, a, a picture. There's a, a picture of a, of a place called Death Valley. Maybe some of you have heard this. This place is called Death Valley. It's in California. It is one of the places that is the driest, hottest place. It's over 100 degrees the majority of the year in this place. It is absolutely barren wasteland. Barely anything grows here at all. Barely any animals live here because they can't live here because there's a lack of water. So many different things that are going. This is just a barren Wasteland, and then in 2004, there was a rain that had came through that had not ever hit that area, and it just soaked all over that place. And within the year, this place turned into this place. And what looked like Death Valley became what was called a super bloom. And what they found out was is that under the dormancy of the, of the, of the soil was actually seeds. And they just needed to be planted and watered. They were just there. They were already there. They, were, they weren't dead. They were just lying dormant. Watch. Let, let me put it this way. Your life is a seed. And a seed can only grow if it's planted and if it's watered. It's got to get in a place where it's planted and watered. Now, listen to me. The, this verse said... That, that we could flourish and grow for those who are planted in the house. Planted in the house. Going to church is not the same as being planted. And so some of you that are in here, or some of you that are watching online, and you've got no joy, you've got no victory, you've, you've got no peace, you've got no passion, your relationships are struggling, your marriage is on the brink, could it be? Could it be that you're not planted in the place that God has nourishment for you? 
God has provided for you. God has relationships for you. God has strengths for you. Because when you get planted in the house, watch what happens. Your roots get to grow deep, so therefore you become steady and stable, and then you get to bear fruit in your life, which means now you got purpose in your life. But it happens when you get planted in the house. You got to get planted in God's house. You got to get planted around God's people because God uses people to grow you. Don't believe me? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You thought you were awesome until you got married and realized there's some areas I need to grow in. There's some areas that she needs to grow in. There's some areas we've got to grow in. And so uh, I can teach this all day long. This is a passion point of mine, but I thought, you know what? There's no greater teacher than real life real life stories of this. And so at this moment, I wanna invite JB up here. Jonathan Brown, y'all give it up for JB as he comes up here. <clears throat> give it up for our most uh, MVP, most valuable pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted uh, JB to come up here because I asked him to just share a little bit of his story of what God has done, um, just really even just over the last couple of years. But... Um, JB, man, whatever's on your heart, man, whatever, what has God done as you've, have you started attaching yourself and getting connected and planted in spiritual family? Maybe share a little bit of what life was before yeah. and then what it's been. Well, it's, it's definitely been a great journey. Uh, my life, uh, I guess you see a guy in a suit every Sunday, probably you see a guy in a suit uh, during the week. But my, my story is so deep. Uh, first of all, I want to thank my dad, who, who's always my rock. Come on. No, no matter what, you got, you got a father or a mother, they, they're your rock. But um, August 7, 2017, you got to excuse me. I am 200 pounds, but I am emotional, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but August uh, 7, 2017, I try to take my life. Uh, depression is real. It's an uncontrollable monster. If you deal with it, I feel you. I understand. I, I know where you're at. I know where you've been, but I can also tell you I know where you're going to go. <laughs> um, yeah, the guy in the suit stayed 31 days in the mental institute because he couldn't deal with life. Life had overcame me. It, it just was unbearable. I, I was a very wealthy man. So if you're in here and you're wealthy, I'm just telling you right now, you can lose everything you got in one day. I lost everything. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost tons of money. Excuse me. Tons of money. Uh, new home. Lost it all in one day. Couldn't bear with life. It was tough. So um, Satan said, hey, I'm going uh, to end this for you. I'm going to resolve this. I'm going to let you uh, just go ahead and get rid of all. You ain't got to worry about that no more. And uh, the mind will play so many tricks on you. It, it, it battles you every day when, you, when you're depressed. And uh, I decided I was going to follow his command. But God had another purpose for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> God had another purpose for me. So what, what I'm telling you today, uh, the guy in the suit that you, you see daily, yeah, he'd been through a lot. He'd been through some tough times. I also was homeless. The guy in the suit. I was broke. Didn't know where my next meal was going to come. But thank God I had a father and a mother. Thank God for that. But it goes a little deeper than that. Um, I, I wasn't rooted and grounded in church like I should have been. I, I was playing church. And the, so many of us do that. We play church. Yes, sir. Uh, man, I praise God. Yeah. But then when you get behind closed doors, that's when the real you come out. Right? Come 
Mm. Uh, the church is gone, and then you show your real self. Mm. But it, it wasn't until, I'll be honest with you guys, it wasn't until I landed in OSC to where I really, <laughs> help me, Pastor. <laughs> uh, I really and truly, uh, I really and truly found who God was. I found a family. <laughs> I found a family who truly loves me. Also, when I tried to kill myself, I found out my family members was betting on my life. They was betting that I was going to kill myself and how long it was going to take. Isn't that crazy? But one thing I can always know when I got rooted and grounded in OSC, I can get pick up the phone and call Brother, Buddy, uh, Brother Denny every morning. <laughs> and he will always have an encouraging word for me. So when, I'm, when Pastor was talking about being rooted and grounded in, in a family, I strongly suggest be rooted and grounded into a true church family. And OSC has been nothing but awesome to me and my wife and my family. And I'm forever is grateful for what OSC and God has done in my life. Come on. So I'll take you a little more. I, my job, um, I was a low-level hard worker like most men are. We work. Uh, didn't have best things in life or anything. Uh, I go to work. And one day, uh, my boss calls me. He said, uh, I need you to come see me, the secretary. So I go, and uh, I get in the office, and he said, hey, man, I, I, I want to give you a promotion. And I said, wow, okay. And then next, I get in my car. I'm going down 165, and my phone ring again, and they, the secretary said, come back to the office. I said, oh, Lord, he done changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, getting there, and then next thing you know, he said, hey, you scratched that promotion. He said, I'm going to elevate you to another spot. And I say, Lord, thank you. I get on the phone, and I call my wife, Valerie. She was actually my girlfriend then. And I call. I say, you never guess what God has done. She said, what? I say, I just got a promotion. She said, wow, that's awesome, man. It goes a little further. Later, I, uh, I got rooted and grounded in OSC and praying every day and serving God truly. And um, next thing you know, God gave me another promotion. Man didn't give me that one. Yeah. God gave me that one. On. And that was salvation. Yeah. Tell, them, uh, tell them what God's doing in your family right now. Oh, man, it's so much. Um, the short version. Short version, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, he gave me a beautiful wife. Uh, and, you know, I, I know we tell our family, I love you, and it's just a routine thing. But love is love. When you truly, truly love someone, you look at them daily and you say, I love you. I can tell that wheelchair, hey, I love you. But sincerely, I can tell a human, I love you, because that's who I am. I, uh, God has created me to be a new creature. My name is Jonathan Ray Brown. And that's the name that God has given me through my parents. <sighs> Most of you know me by JB. That guy was evil. That guy was, he was a bad person. 
And as God did with Paul and many people in the Bible, he changed them. And he gave them the name that goes with their character. So if you don't mind, my name is Jonathan Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. For those that also don't know, uh, Jonathan has been bringing people to, to manhood. He actually, I had to kick him out of my group because he brought so many people. So <laughs> this is no lie. Uh, and just this past Thursday, he brought a bunch of his coworkers and his son, and three of them got saved this past Thursday right here. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, let me share a little bit more, and then I'm going to invite one more story up. Spiritual family is not just how God designs you and how it grows you, but it's also how God protects you. It's how God protects you. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. You know, when you go through crisis, it tests the fabrics of what you built your life on. Um, You know, all of us in here are one phone call away from your life literally getting turned upside down. Some of you have had those phone calls. Uh, My question always to guys is, when you get that phone call, what's the next phone call? Who's the next people? Last time I checked, Joel Osteen's not making any house visits. T.D. Jakes ain't showing up at your house. Every... Every great preacher that you watch on YouTube ain't showing up at your house. They ain't going to your funeral, and they ain't showing up in the hospital. Maybe. We'll see. Here's the beauty of that. I've been to so many hospitals where our church beat me. And I've had opportunities often where I didn't go, but our church family went or went to a funeral. I didn't get to go, but our church family, it's... I want you to hear me closely. My, my, my desire for our church is not to center this church around me or to even for everybody to connect to me. My thing is for you to connect to Jesus and his people. Jesus and his people. Because you're going to have a moment. It's not a matter of if you're going to have a moment. It's just a matter of when you're going to have a moment. And there's going to come a moment. And here's what ends up happening. If you haven't built your life in spiritual family, you'll try to microwave those relationships in crisis. And then you'll wonder why they're not there. I'm just telling you. I've seen it happen countless times. Because spiritual family is all about building relationships today for crisis tomorrow. Because it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. But the beauty is this. And I want you to hear me. If you're struggling in your family, maybe God put you in spiritual family to close the gap. If you're struggling in your marriage... Maybe God put you in spiritual family to help you. If you're struggling with pain, maybe God's put you in spiritual family to see healing, to pray, to encourage. And I I wanna say this from the bottom of my heart, I pray that you hear this. I'm so proud of you. You love so well. watching so many of you walk through some of the most horrific pain. It's probably the hardest part of my job is to walk with people through pain, 
to watch them go through pain, to know I can't, there's nothing I can do. If you've been there, you know what that's like. You just, you just, step, into, you just step into the moment and you don't know what to do. I mean, just this week, I've had people reach out to me with a marriage that's literally on the brink of divorce. I've had people reach out to me because they just got diagnosed with cancer. I had people reach out to me because they had a, a, a loved one that just literally got put on hospice. I've, I mean, I, that's a week in my life. But I know that happens in your life constantly. And what the joy of this church is, is to watch us celebrate with one another, laugh with one another, have joy with one another, but also to grieve with one another, to cry with one another, to say, hey, come on, come close. Hey, come under my house. Hey, we've got that hotel room for you. Don't worry about it. Hey, we got dinner for you. Don't worry about it. Hey, we'll be at the hospital. Hey, we're going to pray with you. I, I, don't mistake it. That's what our church is. And we get it wrong. And there's times where we miss it. But I want you to hear my heart. If you call OSC home, I don't want to be your pastor. I want you to have a family. Not just me, but I want you to have a team of people around you that at any moment that you feel like you're gonna take your life, you can pick up the phone and go, I need help right now. Or if your marriage is on the brink, you're like, I don't know how we're gonna make it. That you can pick up the phone and go, we ain't doing good. And so I wanna, I wanna end today with you guys getting opportunity to hear one more story. And so I'm going to invite Beverly Gary to come up. Y'all welcome Beverly as she comes up. For those that may or may not know, Beverly is uh, Susan Corville's sister. And um, Beverly has an actual story of this and, and it's way too powerful not to share. I've heard her share it. She shared it actually in Lacassine at one of our nights of prayer. And so, Beverly. Thank you, thank you. Boy, how do you follow that? That was amazing, <laughs> isn't that amazing? Um, I came to OSC about two years ago my sister-in-law invited me, Susan. Those of you who know Susan know that she's amazing. she got a fan club. Yes, she does. And, and she had asked me several times, my husband and I, to come before. And I need to give you a little background as to why it took me a little bit longer to, to come sure. than it probably should have. But... Four years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder with manic depression. So I feel you, Jonathan. That's a bad place to be. And I was in and out of the hospital as well. And isolated, I isolated myself not only from other people, but from my family. I can remember my daughter coming in my room, so dark, with me under the covers. She was the Ruth to my Naomi. And I'm so thankful for you. So let me get a hold of myself here. <laughs> Because you think about where you've come from, and it's yeah. so overwhelming. It is. 
So Susan asked me one more time, come to church with me. And you know, it was at that moment that God spoke to my heart and said, if you don't do it now, you never will. And I knew that I didn't have a choice. And little did I know he was out to save my life. So I came. And I know it sounds cliche, but I knew. I knew when I walked in the door and I was met by people. People here are amazing. And I'm proud of them too. I'm proud to be a part of you. They welcomed me. And this has been my home ever since. I have missed several Sundays. Kind of found myself going back into that isolation. Uh, my family and I lost my husband to suicide a few months ago. And you just don't see it coming. It's still raw. But God, God who's rich in mercy, full of grace, brought me here to be ministered to by so many of you. And you know who you are. And I thank you. And you know, when I first came here, it was probably about this time in the year, Pastor, and you were signing up for groups. And the enemy had lied to me so many times about how I wasn't good enough, how nobody needed me, how I couldn't do anything right. All those things I'm sure that all of us have experienced. But you know, he kept drawing me. He kept drawing me. And I signed up for a Freedom Life group. And little did I know that God was going to begin preparing me for what I'm going through right now. And I met people that became my lifeline. And so many of those people still text me every week one of those precious people texted me last night and said God's got this because I was a little nervous about today <laughs> <laughs> and when when I got that text I thought you're right God you've got this what don't you have you know what doesn't he have and I can tell you that that severe depression that my family lived through and still lives through sometimes but not at the depth that it was. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of bed. I understand that. But through these last two years, God has brought healing to me. I am depression free. Come on. And I can't tell you what a beautiful place that is to be. So if you're struggling today, I'm here. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to be your friend. I'd love to be your family. Um, just know that there is not a chapter in your book, in your story, that he will not use. 
to touch other people. Don't think that it's over. You're right. God brings us here with an intent and a future. I just turned 60 and I thought, my gosh, I'm old. <laughs> but I re realized the older I get, the younger I realize I really am, you know. So I can tell you that my family and I are work walking through a season of heartache right now. And it's real. And I know many of you have experienced the same thing. We're all in this together. We all deal with really difficult things. But I would ask you to continue to pray for us as we heal. Pray for my daughter who's really suffering at the loss of her dad. And my heart hurts for her so deeply. But I know that I know that I know that God is in this. Yeah. He's in control. He is in control. And you know, my name, Jonathan, means meadow. And when I saw you put that up, I thought, my gosh, that was me. That sandy place, that dry place. And then to see what it was after, all those beautiful flowers, that meadow. And I want to be the meadow God created me Come to on, be. Come on, yes. Yes. So thank you for your continued prayers. And I'd love to meet everybody in here. So many people <laughs> I haven't met yet. Thank you so much, Pastor. I love you. Mm. Come here. This is what this church does. Of course, this is my sister-in-law, but she hands me this during the service. You're awesome. You've got this. I love you, sis. That's what the family of God does. Being connected to spiritual family is God's greatest desire and Satan's greatest threat. Yes. I want you to hear me. The devil doesn't mind you going to church. He just doesn't want you to connect to family. Yep. He's fine with you just attending. He just doesn't want you to connect. If he can keep you disconnected, he can keep you discouraged. so many other things that he can do with you. So, here's the question. Am I connected to spiritual family? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. And if you're not, Beverly and I and Jonathan, we want to help you. Along with all of our staff, all of our life group leaders, we want to help you take that step. And I know all of the lies, and I'm so grateful, Beverly, you shared that, because there's so many lies we hear. So many lies we hear. What do people really know what's going on? Who cares? Then Let me tell you what happens in life group. Let me just go ahead and tell you what happens. There's a lot of, you too? You too? You too? Oh, okay, it's not just me? Oh, all right. 
So, um, so the only way to end today's service, I, I think, is two ways. One, um, a call to get plugged in, get connected, and uh, we want to help you do that. Number two is if you're in this room, and if you were honest, that barren field, that's you. That's you. And you go, that's me. I know that's me, Pastor Josh. The beauty of one decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life changes all of that. And so I want you just to bow your head all across this room. And I want to speak to those that are in this room right now. If that's you, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. This is your moment. This is your moment to say, God, I'm going all in going all in for you, total surrender. God, I, I know you want me to flourish, but God, I know that I have not put you where you need to be. If that's you, we're gonna do something bold today. I want you to stand up right there where you are. If that's you, I want you to stand up. Go ahead, right here. One, two, three, stand up. If that's you and you wanna say, today's the day, thank you. Stand up, 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 stand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the day. This is the day. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering. I'm let, letting him come. There's already, there's seeds of potential already inside of you. Your life is a seed because God made you. But it's disconnected from the life source. So today we get to pray for that. So Father, right now I pray over every person that's standing. God, I thank you that you're drawing them to yourself. And God, apart from you, your word says we can do nothing. Our life is barren. It's barren. But God, with you, with you, we have purpose. With you, we have forgiveness. With you, we have peace. With you, we have joy. All the things we long for in life are connected to you. So today, in this moment, we connect to you. Would you just say this? Everybody in this room, just say this. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come awaken my soul. Awaken my spirit to be born again. Fill me with your spirit. I turn from my selfishness, my own ways, my own plans, my own desires. And I submit my life to you, for you to be my Lord, my Savior, my friend, my Father, from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen.